Welcome to the Pirates Union Podcast. So today's guest, author and poet, Mark Jansen. So how are you today, sir? Fine, thank you. Good to see you, Tim. No, it's good to have you on the show. So you're the first poet I've had on the show. Um, so let's get right into that. Um, what got you into writing poetry? Well, I've always been a writer. And it was for years, I thought I was going to be a novelist. I started so many novels. There's a lot of writers out there that started so many novels but they didn't finish any of them. And I'm one of those. <laughs> uh, after I graduated from college, I became a copywriter and I kind of found, this is kind of my speed. I, I'm a sprinter, not a long distance runner. So, you know, I, I, I can write a poem, I pat myself on the back and then I move on to the next thing. <clears throat> I mean, I've never, I've, I've wrote little bits. I've never, but again, I'm not a great writer. Um, <laughs> I did that before I did podcasting, just like 15,000 word little thing. But uh, I bet if I was to read it back now. So what what sort of, um, how long have you been doing it for? I didn't manage to get any links um, prior to the show. So I'm just going to have to run with just sure, questions. Sure. Rob, normally I'll have a bunch of research and then some bullet points and whatever. But I'll just do it on the fly. Hopefully the 50 cups sure. of coffee I've had will aid that. So how long have you been writing poetry for? Right. So um, a long time is one of the things I kind of dabbled with, you know, as a kid and in high school or, or whatever, I became more serious about it, maybe in the last 20 or 30 years. So um, a long time, a long time. <laughs> What's some of the, the main themes of you? Do you stick to sort of a main genre uh, or do you just sort of, you know, write as it or, you know, that's a good that's a, a good question. Um, because over time, the things that are important to you change, yep. right? I'm going to be 56 here pretty soon. And uh, the things that I was writing about when I turned 30, not the same things that I'm writing about <laughs> you, now. You don't look 56, I'll add. <laughs> I feel 56. You know, in my 30s, I was really morose. <laughs> I was really kind of depressing and, and and you know and i look at that stuff now and it's just kind of like maybe i can fix some of the stuff up it's like trying to fix a cave painting you know and you're like eh, right, what can you do <laughs> <laughs> and the things i talk about now are more kind of like every day i try to like root the stuff that i write about in everyday life what is going on in you know and and find those kind of universal themes that were all that would touch us all in some way or another, and so that's what I'm working on now, as opposed to like being really depressed about stuff or listening to a lot of Depeche Mode or something. <laughs> Depeche Mode, yeah, that's not going to help. <laughs> it might help the poetry if that was what you were aiming for, but yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so, how when you're writing stuff that's more like you say more current now? What sort of your, your processes for that? Have you got some oh, yeah. sort of, uh, when I was doing my writing, I, I mean, everyone's got their own sort of processes. When I was doing it, weirdly enough, I would sit out in like a greenhouse and I'd sit on my phone, tap away, have a couple of drinks, and then I'd come back in right. after like right. an hour and a half. Uh, you know, just because it was the only place I could also smoke, which was, you know, I don't smoke indoors. So, you know, so I'd, when I'd smoking out there, I'd be like, oh, okay, mm, this is a good idea. And then I'd do a bit of writing, come in and whack it up on the computer. So I'd like sort of right. do a, a mild draft and then sort of go, oh, okay, we can fix this here. Um, what's sort of your process? That's really important, Tim, because it doesn't matter if you're writing or any kind of creative endeavor, right? If you're painting or if you're, or if you're writing novels or poems or if you're, drawing, whatever, whatever it, it might be, you have to kind of find your sweet spot, right? Uh, and your sweet spot was out there in, in the greenhouse, you're out there, you're, you kind of get in the mode, right? You're kind of setting yourself up for a creative endeavor, whatever that might be, 
right? And so for me personally, um, the pandemic really screwed me up because I worked in an office right. and I had my day kind of like planned. And the way, it was, the way it used to work was I'd go in, I got a union job, right? <laughs> I get 15 minutes in the morning, I got 15 minutes in the afternoon and I have an hour lunch. And so in the 15 minutes in the morning, I would read. 15 minutes in the afternoon, it was a timed writing. Every day at 3.30, I'd go, and my brain was just like set. This is the way it's going to be, right? At 3.30, you're, you're kind of primed to just do it. And when the pandemic happened, I had to change the process that I have. And it's still kind of changing because it hasn't quite set in the way I would like it. So that it would just be like, because when I was when I was a copywriter, we wrote a thousand ads in six months. It was just like sit and go. You got to go. There's no time to fool, fool around. You just go. And 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 that was the way I was I was able to write my regular poetry writing too. It was just like it's three thirty. You sit down and you go. And and what a a great. Um, a creative opportunity that was because my mind was just kind of like set up to do that. Uh, there's a great um, organ poet, his name is Kim Stafford. There's a lot of people that, that do this. He does morning pages, right? So you get up in the morning and like the first thing you do is you get up and you need to write three pages so that there's no filters, there's no nothing. And some people can, do, I can't do that. In the, so I'm a morning person and I can't do that. You know, I need to kind of like, get going a little bit. I'm more kind of like an afternoon creative person. And so the idea is you would kind of like, for any kind of creative writing, for any kind of creative endeavor, you have to like find that, I don't wanna say it's a magic key, but that, that, that mode that allows you, and, some, and like you said, you know, you sit out there, you, ha you have a cigarette, you kind of think, and, and then you kind of like go on your, and for me, I have like some headphones in, I got some music going, something that would like um, put space in there so that I can, you know, and some music works better than others. Let me tell you, you know, <laughs> it can't be like something you don't like you know, or something you're really into. It's gotta be, you know, for me, it's, for me, it's, it's gotta be something, you know, kind of background, maybe some like um, new agey something or, maybe some like smooth jazz or something just to kind of like create that space. And that's just me. Other people, maybe they, I knew, I knew a lady, a girl who just loved like death metal. She just loved it. Right. And I couldn't listen to that and write anything. <laughs> it wouldn't work for me. It worked for her. It I worked mean, I, for I her, like, man. I like cool genres of music. I mean, I like pretty much, there isn't a lot that I don't like genre wise. But this, yeah, some, I don't know. I probably have. I mean, I've got, even before a podcast, I'll put on, spe not specific songs, but I've got like a playlist just to, you know, get me pumped up and whatever. But there's occasionally some death metal, but that's for a podcast. You know, it's like, yeah, let's get going. <laughs> but I guess if you're, well, you try, know, if you're you trying to, that, if you're trying to write. growling voice and the, the double bass. And it's just like, <laughs> for me, it's just too, it's too, it's too busy for me. To, if you're trying to write something peaceful, Slayer isn't a good option. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. For her, it works great. <laughs> so obviously, uh, you started writing and obviously you was doing copywriting and stuff like that. Um, what really got you into it? What was the, you know, the, the real turning point and crucial moment where you said, right, I'm going to do this sort of full time. I'm going to make try and make something of it. Was there a crucial key moment? Okay. So this is a story. So hopefully, hopefully have a minute. I was in Ventura, California, which is a great town. If you've ever visited, it's on the West Coast. It's halfway between Los Angeles and Santa Barbara. Coastal town, nice town. They had this place. It's not in business anymore. It's a little coffee shop. And they would have poetry readings on there on Thursday nights. Every Thursday night, every Thursday night, like clockwork. Seven o'clock, they'd have a poetry on small place, just a shoebox, really. Just a tiny little floor, maybe about 12 by 12. There was a staircase that went up 
to a little loft there. And then there were people dealing drugs out the back. So it was all kinds of, it was, and this place was packed. It was packed, packed, packed. So many people, people sitting on the stairs, people sitting outside. They had a sign-up sheet. They had a little featured reader. They talked for about 15, 20 minutes or whatever. And then five minutes or three poems, whichever comes first. And 30, 40 readers, they'd be there until like 11 o'clock at night, right? And they'd start at seven and it was, it was just great. And so um, that's where I kind of got my start was that for poetry, there's, there's, it's kind of like two aspects, right? One is, is you can kind of like, you write it and then you can read it on the page or whatever. But there's also kind of like a performance aspect of it. If you go to like a coffee shop, a bar, or, or slam, whatever. Slam poetry, that kind of thing as well. That's <laughs> performance, isn't it? Slam poetry <laughs> is like the extreme version of that. And you go out there and you're like, this is it. And and it's kind of like, sometimes it works and sometimes, yeah, <laughs> sometimes no, it doesn't. I can get that. I mean, 30, that's what kind of hooked me on it. Yeah. People a night, that's a lot. I mean, if you used to go and do see a stand-up comedy gig, you're probably not going to go through 30 a night, you know? But obviously, poems are, yeah. are pretty, well, you know, it could be like two to five minutes, really, couldn't it? I'd imagine yeah. that's, but, oh, man, that's quite a lot. That's a, that's a busy night. I, I'd suspect they'd be making a hell of a lot of cash, even just for a coffee shop. <laughs> that and poets are notoriously cheap and don't have any money. Well, yeah. <laughs> that part of it. One cup of coffee. How many times have you uh, performed yourself? Hundreds. <laughs> Hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. What's been some of your most memorable? Um, I did uh, a number of, of, I was a featured reader a number of times in Ventura. Those were all fun. Um, I was, I'm the, uh, I organized uh, poetry events in Salem, Oregon and in the Mid Valley. Uh, I did, uh, I organized the uh, Salem Poetry Festival for a couple of years. That was fun. Um, most recently, I, I did, uh, it was called Poetry on the Lawn. We we're in the middle of the pandemic. And so we thought, well, in July, we had like an outdoor event so people can like yeah. distance and everything. And that was fun. I was the, uh, I closed out that, that particular um event uh there was another event at the salem library where there were a number of poem of poets and i ended up between uh two organ poet laureates that was nice <laughs> kind of like the book ended by them so yeah there's been so many highlights and it's been great the whole time and i was nominated for organ poet laureate that was that was fun that wasn't like a an event event but uh i get published you know about once a month different publications that's always exciting to have somebody you know put your word in their magazine their their journal where'd you get published is it just online or is it just, i mean i don't know much if like people still buy magazines anymore if that's yeah. still a thing i don't know if they do they do, <laughs> they do. it's like libraries they're pretty non-existent at the moment some of them anyway um yeah um i get published in um print journals and online um all over the u.s in the UK, uh, uh, I was in published in Poetry Salzburg, uh, a publication out of Greece, um, Canada, uh, one down in Australia. So it's, uh, you know, busy <laughs> all over the place, all over the place. You know, all those are kind of niche, though. You know, you have to. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Of, you know, it's, it's not like this in the newspaper. It's like, oh, there's a poem. <laughs> so. I so it's kind of the last time I bought a newspaper, like an actual physical newspaper. I mean, I read a lot of news online. It's, it, I don't really like buying pa papers because it's just, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to throw it in the bin. It's got, got to be recycled. And where's that recycling go? You know, you don't even really know most of the time. So I tend but, to know, just avoid them. The funny thing, Tim, is that, is that the way that we, the way that we um, interact with information has changed. Oh, yeah. Because you're, you're younger than me, right? And so I still get the paper like twice a week. I get it on Sunday, I get it on Wednesday. In the US on Wednesday, they, they put the, uh, the uh, ads for grocery stores in on Wednesday and they usually have like a recipe. 
But because I get the newspaper, you know, it's not only things that I'm interested in because Google has the algorithm of, oh, yeah, yeah. and YouTube has, it kind of just feeds you the, the same things that you're used to or the things that you like or the things that you're interested in. Whereas you get the newspaper, it's just like, this is what's going on. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Uh-oh. Yeah. I mean, whenever I do read the news, I'll, I won't just go to one site and I'll check out a lot of different stuff. I tend to go down rabbit holes a lot. So my algorithm's pretty messed up. It's full of it's mostly conspiracies and, you know, a whole bunch of stuff that's completely irrelevant to day-to-day life. <laughs> stuff that's that right. stuff that nobody really, you know, stuff where I'm going to go, oh, why don't I need to know that in five years later? later. So obviously with poetry, um, how many, have you released many books? Um, it's something that I've not had really time to look into. Sure, yeah. Um, I did a couple of, of books that I did myself, but me- mostly I released um, last year as a book called November Reconsidered. And that was a book that I worked on um, all, basically all the poems in there were new. I worked on them from November uh, 2019 through summer of 2020. And, um, and that came out uh, this past August, September. How's it doing? Well, it's kind of a relative. <laughs> How's it doing? <laughs> um, a lot of the ways that you public that you market a poetry book is in face-to-face events. Oh, okay. How come? Because um, that seems to be the most effective way a lot of times um, for poetry. Um, as opposed to, you know, like um, running an ad or, or, you know, it's a little less mainstream. So, so usually there's like a, there's like a, a face-to-face interaction. You go, you give a reading and then people want to read as a part of the experience that you pick up this book and you can read further, that kind of stuff. So I've been doing other things, you know, it's sold okay. You know, I would have, any author would like it to do better. You know, um, how do you know? It's one of the things like when you're a, when you're a, a out you know, when you're not a New York person, you're not a Los Angeles person. I'm in I'm in Oregon. You know, so like, how do you kind of like crack into that? It's a it's okay. it's a little bit of a mystery and a lot of like um, experimenting yep. for for doing this. Particularly now, when usually what I would do was I'd go up to Portland, I'd go down to Southern Oregon, I'd do a bunch of readings and sell a bunch of books this way, that way. And usually, you know, you'd sell a couple hundred and then that would be considered successful. You know, I would like to do more than that. I think there's, there's a lot more opportunity for that kind of thing than, than you know, because usually what you're doing is just selling to other poets. And, you know, because that's who goes to those meetings, <laughs> who goes to those readings, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, coming up with unique ideas, unique marketing ideas, ideas. yeah, yeah. you know, so I got a YouTube channel and I do some stuff over there and I do this, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, And so over time, I think that it'll sell pretty good. It's just a matter of figuring out how to do it without being in the same room room with people. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, it makes sense because I mean, especially when you're talking about trying to crack a place. I mean, I, I can't imagine that Oregon's amazing for poetry, like you say. Uh, the, the city I'm in, for stand-up comedy, it's, well, you know, to, to, for open mics, it's, there's barely any. You know, if you want to get sort of a show with certain uh, booking places, you know, it's like once every six months. And it's like, pff, you're not going to really get, you ain't going to get anywhere with that. Uh, so even then, it's like a tough nut to crack. And then, you know, yeah. you have to try and work out ways to get around. It's another reason why I started podcasting, because I was like, this is a bit, you know, well, I was doing it anyway. <clears throat> but then once I found that out, I was like, huh, this is going to be a slow. <laughs> so, so, you know, I need, it just depends on where you are. You know, if I was in London or, you know, Edinburgh or somewhere like that, you know, you could go <clears throat> do three or, three or four a week. But, you know, once every six months is, you know, the contrast is just in terms of the scale, that's massively like outweighed, you know. Right. So I can completely understand where you're coming from. 
Have you ever tried, have you ever put any of your stuff on like TikTok and done like short poems? Because I'd imagine that that would divert a hell of a lot of traffic to where you're going. It might. And I thought about it. You know, things like TikTok and Instagram, right? Because both of them are kind of similar in that you can get a big presence. It takes a a commitment in time and resources. Um, And, um, you know, and I've thought about it. And I'm still kind of in the thinking about it stage. The thinking about it, sometimes I'm thinking about it as kind of like an excuse for not doing it. <laughs> sometimes, but I am time, thinking about it. Sometimes as well, by the time you've thought about it, it's like too late as well. I mean, I've thought it about is. it a few times. I'm like, oh, I'm still a bit late to the party. It's like uh, the app Clubhouse. When that first came out, I was going to get on there. And I, it was like, hey, you need like an invitation and all this crap. I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. And then nowadays, you know, you don't need any of that shit because it was it was just a ridiculous idea in itself that there was going to be this elite elite app. It was never going to work. Um, but even now on there, you know, you're going into sort of a room with, you know, 30, 40 people. And that's another another channel, I'd imagine. There's, there is like ways to do it. But again, it is a hell of a lot of time and resources and especially yeah. setting it all up. So if I would, so like something a little bit less um, demanding, probably Instagram, if I was going to do something like that, I'd have to, I think to be successful, I need to be, I need to have some new content in there fairly regularly, yep. right? I've, I've, I'm not an Instagram expert. I have an Instagram account. <laughs> Um, everything that I hear is, you know, you have to be fairly active on there, something every day, maybe multiple times a day. Um, and you know, am I willing to, to do that? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, <laughs> am I, I willing I, to do it? I, I have to do it for a couple and it's like, you know, there's yeah. moments where you can waste time as well. You start to post stuff and then, you know, like, like you said earlier, the algorithm feeds you stuff that you like. So by the time you finish posting, next thing you've spent half an hour looking at a bunch of bullshit that you've mildly interested in. And then by the end of the half an hour, you're like, what is half of this crap? And then you just turn it off and then, you know, you go back on later on in the day, feed you a new algorithm. <clears throat> so it does take up a lot of time, a hell of a lot of time. Yeah. yeah. So when you was, uh, you ever thought about writing any books? I mean, you said that you'd started doing that and then moved on to poetry. But have you ever thought about writing sort of a, a small collection of maybe short stories rather than like a big novel? Yes. I thought about it a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I thought about it a lot. But, you know, it's... It's, it's where you're going to spend your time and effort. Like any kind of a creative endeavor, you know, if you're playing music in a band, if you're, you know, writing songs or whatever, where are you going to spend your time and effort? So for me, you know, I got a full-time job and I do this other thing on the side. So that's kind of like where I'm spending my time and effort. Every once in a while, I get the bug. And I kick out some kind of a short story, you know, a real short story. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they're, they're for my own amusement, mostly. <laughs> amusement? Like, what are they? Like, comedy-esque things? Or what do you, what do you mean by amusement? When I was, when I was, uh, I wanted to be the next J.R.R. Tolkien. It would have been great. <laughs> And I started so many novels, and but I also did a couple of short stories, and you know, to kind of like flesh things out and work and work out different aspects of the history of whatever I was I was writing, and and they were fun, you know. Yeah, if you're trying to do that, that's going to take thirty years in itself to create a whole universe. (laughs) I mean, that's something you needed. It's, it's crazy because the people that are most successful like that started when they was ridiculously young. You know, there was already a savant at it before, before there was even getting published and 
you know, T- Tolkien was one of those. He, he had yeah. like, well, I don't know how many years he was writing for, but probably up until he died. <laughs> you'd, you'd, you'd imagine so, which is a yes. whole massive body of work. It's, uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to the new Amazon series that they're bringing out. If you've heard much mm-hmm. about that. the uh, I saw some commercials for it, yeah. You got, what's your thoughts on that? Do you think it's going to ruin the actual film series? Or do you think it'll um, do well? I've heard a couple different things about it. And, and you know, I'm not going to prejudge. <laughs> you know, I've just seen a couple of, basically... The commercial I saw was, you know, there was some wood and there was some like, looked like maybe like something was running on the wood, like maybe it was like gold or some kind of or mercury or something. And so they said, it's coming. I'm like, okay, <laughs> it's coming. And so I don't know exactly what it's going to, what it's going to be about or who's involved or anything like that. Well, so they're doing it from uh, a bunch of the short stories because obviously they mm-hmm. t- couldn't get any of the rights to Tolkien's main estate, and I'm sure hundred percent certain that Peter Jackson probably uh, owns. Well, I'm not sure what rights, but probably owns a lot of character rights now. And yeah, but I can't you can go back to the Silmarillion. Oh yeah, and all those other short stories, those unfinished stories, the stuff that Christopher Tolkien did. So there's all kinds of material out there you know who were who are some of your favorite authors um i loved reading the conan Conan stories (laughs) those are great the comics are amazing (laughs) those are fun um i read uh when i was in fifth grade or sixth grade i had was a very difficult reader I didn't read very well, and and I started reading. Let me just kind of contextualize that. I read very slowly, and I could remember all kinds of stuff, but I just had a hard time reading, and I had a hard time spelling. Just spelling was just off the chart bad. Um, and there were two things that really kind of helped me in that. I still read slowly, but I still, but I, but what increased my enjoyment of, of, of reading and what Marvel comics when I was in, you know, fifth, sixth grade, high school, all the way through, loved them, loved them. And then um, the books of, of J.R.R. Tolkien and like um, uh, the, the pulp novels from um, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs about about uh, John Carter on Mars and all that kind of stuff. Those are kind of formula, but they're, but they're kind of fun. Yep. Uh, when I was in, I think, when I was a freshman in, in high school, I read The Sword of Shannara, and that is like a monster. <laughs> <laughs> that is a monster. And, and, and it was like, and, and so it was, it was difficult because I had this concept of myself was like not too smart. At the same time, I could still run through some of these big tomes. Um, Dune. Dune's Loved good it. as well. Have you oh ever read gosh. the uh, Dark Tower series as well? They're really another bunch of chunky books. If you read the, Dark yeah, Tower, Dark Tower. Stephen King. Stephen King. Yeah, it's his uh, series, the, the Dark Tower. I think they made a... Uh, film, well, I think they made making a they series. Film yeah. yeah, that was yeah. Matthew McConaughey was in there. It didn't oh. do too well, apparently. I, I didn't mind it, but the, but that's a really good book series. But they're just so long, and you you really need a hard copy because if you're going to try and read it on like a phone or a Kindle, it's going to take you absolutely forever. Yeah. Like, but I'd highly recommend them if you've not if you've not read uh, if you've not read those. Yeah, yeah, haven't haven't read them. Um, and the other group, the other guy was Robert Jordan. I don't know who that Ian is. Ian Fleming. <laughs> Robert Jordan, um, he picked up uh, after um, Robert Howard finished his Conan books in the 70s or 80s. Robert Jordan started writing those. He also wrote a couple of, of um, 007 James oh, Bond novels. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he did. 
a whole bunch of books. It was, those were, those were fun. Those are great. Those are good books. And so, yeah, yeah. Just all kinds. All kinds. I was deeply involved in, 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 in reading fun, all that stuff. I love adventure stories, man. Fantasy and sci-fi is some of the best stuff as well. It's yeah. especially when you're a kid, because you can, it just takes you to a diff, completely different place. You know, it doesn't sort of matter what you're doing in your life. It, you know, if, mm-hmm. even if, I mean, there's people out there that have had really crap childhoods and, you know, they've just been so involved in reading, that they, you know, it's a, been a big help to their own life. And yeah. It's, yeah. it's so, I mean, especially with like fantasy stuff. I mean, comics are brilliant. You know, I've been reading them my whole life. Right. <clears throat> you know, I've owned, yeah. I've owned quite a few and unfortunately sold most of them years ago, which was... Uh, mm. Well, you know, and for my for my daughter's um, generation, the twenty somethings, that Harry Potter series, oh yeah, amazing, was brilliant, especially that first book. Yep, because that first book was just kind of like, here's this kind of you know, Harry is like the everyman. He's this, you know, things don't go right for him. He's kind of a <laughs> he's kind of a nerd. <laughs> he's got this brother that beats up on him. And then he turns out to be like the guy. He turns out to <laughs> be the, guy, yeah. the hero of the whole thing. Oh, wonderful. I've still got my And the same picture. thing with Neville. <laughs> That's <laughs> one of the best character developments of the whole the whole series. Like a really good That's the thing. I mean, I know she, she gets a lot of shit, but uh, it's undeniable that it's one of the best one of my problems is most of the people that are slandering it now read that book and loved it as a kid. Like I know people, I know people personally that uh, have jumped onto the sh- the ship, and I'm like, what? You've watched all the films. You're going to watch the latest film, you know? I know it's got very much little to do with <laughs> Tolkien, but not Tolkien, uh, J.K. Rowling. But you know, it's like, huh, what are you doing? Like, stop, stop jumping on the bandwagon formulate your own opinion <laughs> exactly exactly and you know what just take the book for what for, for what they are oh yeah you know and they're pretty good reads really they're pretty and good reads especially if you're a your kid attention. as well you know if you're really young i, re- I read them pretty young you know and yeah. especially when they'd come out it, it was good as well because every time they'd come out it'd be a bigger bigger volume of you know the book <laughs> And as a child, that's great because the more you, you know, develop your reading, you know, your reading level, the, the bigger the book was. So, you know, I can't remember how old I was when the first one came out. But then by the time this whole series had come out, I think I was like just leaving school or something. Right. So, you know, the yeah. book was like that big. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's in a way, that was something that people don't quite realize is that she almost inadvertently and probably didn't realize that she was helping people with their reading level. For, oh, for the generations <clears throat> oh yeah <coughs> yeah a lot of those kids they got pulled in from the movie and they loved it and they went and read the book oh yeah so many people what's some of your yeah. favorite movies i just talking about this today okay some favorite movies um metropolis Oh, see, I haven't, seen Metropolis. I haven't seen Metropolis in a while. Metropolis, oh my gosh. So many levels, 19, so many layers. I think it's 1927, I believe. <laughs> Something like Some that, July. yeah. <clears throat> That's uh, and, um, ages. The other one I was thinking of the other day, um, because I just saw, a, um, I just saw a, a, a quote from him on YouTube, Citizen Kane by Orson Welles. I haven't seen that in a very long time either. I, I, that came up with me the other day. I, I'm a big fan of Kubrick, and just in some bullshit newsfeed, it was like Kubrick's top five favorite films or something that he'd mentioned over the years, and that was one of them. I can't remember <clears throat> what a few of the others were, and I was like, yeah. oh, I should really watch that again. So it's funny that you mentioned that because I'd I'd come across yeah. that. I think it was yesterday. It wasn't today. It was yesterday. <clears throat> yeah, it's so bizarre. And, and then. Um... Star Wars came out when I was in fourth grade, and it was huge. It was huge for us. I lived in a small town. We didn't get it until the next year. Wow. <laughs> we got it when I was in fifth grade. 
and it had been released and had gone all all the way around the planet almost and then we got it oh man it was such a phenomenon you know they talk about this is you know it was like way off topic but whatever um you know people lining up to see movies and stuff there was nothing like star wars oh my gosh it was crazy that they booked the theater for a month and it was there in a month and people were there every single night <laughs> you just don't see ever again now even though the cinemas have just reopened back up I don't, you're never going to see things like that i can't i mean I've, I've not really heard of anything lately where people have done that maybe for you know maybe like avengers endgame yeah, or something that's what, that's what I was just you know say, maybe that but even then but i wouldn't couldn't be on the scale <clears throat> When I was in when I was in fifth grade, there was this TV show. Uh, there was this TV show that came out of the Bay Area that we that we would watch, like a kids show. And there was this guy, and he was dressed up in like this spaceman outfit, and and they would show these Japanese um, like science fiction serials. And before the station break and stuff, he would come on, and they would play this game with people that would call in or whatever. And the question he always answered these the, the question they always asked these kids was how many times did you see star wars and the answer was like i saw it 10 times i saw it 30 times i saw it 15 times it's like you know and each of those was like three bucks yeah, yeah. It's a four <laughs> you know <laughs> three bucks or 350 oh i've seen even I've, I've known people that have gone to see like like you said endgame and there was like yeah even the even some of the new Star Wars films, like yeah, I've seen it three three times. I was like, in the cinema? I was like, really? That's like thirty pound. <laughs> That's a lot <laughs> it's like, of money. It's crazy. Like, I, it's it's a big thing. I haven't been to the cinema in a long time. It's it's. I don't know. I'm glad it's it's back up and running again. But I just since they brought stuff out in your home and you can just rent it, it's like uh, it's easier to do that. It's so much so, easier. In the U.S., and I don't know about the U.K., in the U.S., they've redone a lot of the interiors of theaters in a number of the chains. So you have, like, reclining chairs and stuff. Yep. It's like big, it's like your, these, these big chairs. The last movie I saw in a theater was, I saw Death on the Nile, but that was because other people that, that I was with wanted to go see it. I wanted to see it, too, but <laughs> I saw Dune. In the theater I seen the new because movie, i yeah. knew it had to be on the big screen tim yep. big screen and big sound because this was going to be you know sandworms and there's going to be giant rooms and stuff and i want to have all that oh i love yeah, it I, I, that's the one thing i've not got around to watching yet is dune i've seen i've seen so many recent films like the matrix and all the spider-man eternals i've seen if it's come out i've pretty much saw it but that that's one that's uh, it's kind of eluded me for a while. I'm like, the, the original's so good that I don't want to watch it and be, you know, sort of half let down. There's there's a few reboots that I like that, especially especially when they can they're constantly doing stuff from the eighties, like reviving it all again. And it's not a bad thing, but it's like oh, not everything needs to be set in the eighties. It's like it's, it's funny with Dune specifically because it's such a big book. It's very difficult. It, the book spans like 20 years or something like that. I mean, it's a big <laughs> story that they're trying to tell. And in the 80s, they ran into a problem, which is how do you make this big book into this little... And I really liked the 80s Dune. I really enjoyed it a lot. And I liked um, the director. And I liked Kyle McLaughlin as Paul. Yep. And... Um, and there were so many great actors in it. Max von Sydow was in it. All these different great, you know, um, actors and 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 the way that they presented the the characters were was so good. Baron Harkonnen and Revan the Beast and all these guys. But the problem was they had to change the plot <laughs> because they only had two hours. And so some people were like lost their minds because they introduced some stuff and and then the director didn't have final cut. And so they put in a bunch of stuff 
a bunch of like narration and stuff and stuff. So I really enjoyed the this version of Dune. And then if you really want to see something trippy, there's Jedorovsky's Dune, which is a, a documentary about the version of Dune that they never made. Oh, I haven't seen that. <laughs> I think it's on Netflix or something. Jedorovsky's Dune. It's this guy, Jedorovsky, an experimental filmmaker who wanted to film Dune and he he made this, he made a uh, uh, binder with all the scenes and everything. And he had, Mick Jagger was going to be in it. And it was going to be all this, <laughs> Mick Jagger, all this stuff. I think, um, yeah, uh, Salvador Dali was going to be in it. All these people are going to be in it. This is from like the oh. 70s. And, and it never got made. He couldn't get the money. <laughs> There's been a few uh, people that have wanted Mick Jagger in films. Like even back back in the day, there was one that came up the other day. I was watching a documentary, and they was considering Mick Jagger for a role, and I was like, mm -hmm. "What? I can't remember yeah. what it was now." I wish I could remember what documentary I was watching. It's a problem. I've just watched shit. I've got shit on all the time, so it's uh, always a problem. So let's get back to uh, a bit of poetry. Uh, obviously, um, what's some? Of, who's some of your favourite poets? Oh yeah. Good question. So um, I like kind of like a wide variety of poets. In the, U in the US, um, uh, there's a number of, of, of poets that may or may not be very popular in the UK. Um, Carl Sandburg is one of my favorite. Uh, there's a poem that he wrote that they always teach in high school or middle school here in the US called Chicago. It's a poem about Chicago, city of the big shoulders and all this kind of stuff. And so I like Carl Sandburg a lot. Robert Frost is another one. He got, he was, uh, uh, both those guys were probably 40s, 1930s, 40s, 50s in there. Um, there's a, a couple of guys that are kind of like uh, more uh, current, but you know, a current poem, a poet is, is probably no one even knows them. I'm, um, <laughs> Uh, Robert uh, Heine. Strange, uh, like poets back in the day were like rock stars. You know, if you just go back, yes. like maybe like around even like pre-war and stuff like that. Yeah, it's kind of weird yeah. how there was just a big thing. I mean, it's not like you know, but it, it's been almost replaced in a way. Like poetry has been replaced by obviously different creative versions of media. I can't remember the last kind of huge, huge poet. Who, was, who would you think that would I be? I can give you two names. Uh, Jack Kerouac. I've heard he would of that, show up on He would show up on stuff like The Tonight Show. Yep. Right? Uh, back in like the 1960s. He'd be on The Tonight Show. and he'd, I forgot that one. You know, there'd be a, 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 a Steve Allen was the host back then. He'd play the piano and, and Kerouac would do a couple of poems. And, you know, it was kind of a hip thing. Um, and then um, Allen Ginsberg would be, would be the other one. Uh, one of the beat poem beat poets out of San Francisco. He did like Howl and stuff, and uh, and he would you know made his living as a poet. You know he was an academic, but he made his living as a poet as well. And uh, those would be the two big ones. And you're right. After probably in the mid '70s or something, there's nothing. It's 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 so strange, isn't it? Like how it. I don't know what. What do you think took it over? Do you think it was something just like the rock star culture, like going from maybe like Elvis to the Beatles to you know the Stones oh. and shit like that? I should probably say this because I'll get angry notes from the poets. Maya Angelou passed away okay. a couple a couple years ago, and she was a and she was the U.S. poet laureate for a while. I would say that that it's just that um, poetry. And you know what? You can also say this about novelists, because novelists also used to be yep. on TV a lot. You'd see them kind of in the culture a lot, and you don't see them as much anymore, right? No, that's the same marketing where they do read, reads and stuff like that. Because I've been to a couple of couple of those myself. Yeah, oh. you know, like somebody like J.K. Rowling, like we were just talking about, she kind of like broke through that a little bit. Her her book sold so much. You almost couldn't ignore her. You know, Stephen <laughs> King would be another one, right? Who just kind of like, 
it's just kind of like around but you don't see like because their work is more kind of like um popular they're just popular popular writers just insanely popular writers um back in the 50s and 60s i want to say that you would see some other kind of more literary figures right um just kind of in the in the um media with the media was different then you know you had newspapers and magazines and you had tv and in the u.s you had three major networks and you had pbs um but you'd see somebody like william faulkner um or um john updike or um any number of kind of like these literary figures um just kind of um just more available more coverage more just kind of like around more and they might not they wouldn't sell nearly as well as Rowling or or Stephen King but they were just kind of like presented as you know larger than life <laughs> um as part of the national discourse right Got as you, part yeah. of the national discourse. you probably had some of that in the UK too but I'm not you know as, as familiar you know I mean, with I, what was I, going on it's weird. I've never really. Yeah, it's probably just even then, like people like Tolkien and maybe the odd science fiction writer. You know, like uh, Arthur C. Clarke, right. people like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, you ever tried slam poetry? I mentioned it earlier, but have you ever just tried it for the fun of it? I mean, over the hundreds I've never of gigs, tried it. <laughs> and I'm not really in a place that there's a lot going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it might be different if I was in, like in Los Angeles or Seattle or one of these larger. <laughs> Oregon's not a hot spot for it. <laughs> not, Oregon, not really the hot spot for slam poetry. There's probably some going on in Portland, but, but you know, I'm maybe, not really. Maybe that's the in niche. That. You could uh, yeah. start it. <laughs> <laughs> start hosting it. You never know. Might happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's the other thing, you know, if you're trying to sometimes find an avenue and there isn't one, you've got to create one, isn't there? You know, you've got to get one from somewhere. Sometimes it's worth going out on a a random, you know, a random lead and just going, oh, let's, let's try this. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I organized readings and poetry events in, in the Mid-Valley. Um, one of the nice things about the pandemic, if there is, is that you know we had to go to Zoom, which means that you know we were um, we were we we started at a yogurt shop and then we went to a bar, and then we went to a coffee shop. But you had to be there, which was nice. Really, live is better. Yeah. Um. With Zoom, though, people can can just call in from wherever they are. You know, and so like, like we don't have to be in the same room. Tim. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a plane trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If we were easily. Um, and so we've had people from you know who wouldn't have been able to come to the live event in Zoom. And so if you're going to start something, you know, it's you're more able to do that because of the not having to worry about the space. Do you find uh, it more difficult doing it on Zoom rather than live? Or is there no real difference? Oh, there's a humongous difference, a giant difference between the live event and the Zoom event. The Zoom event can be good, but it's not the same as a live presentation. And so you have to kind of like figure that in a little bit. Really, I'm imagining you can't really read a room, you know? You can't read the room. You know, and, and like, if you were trying to do like a comedy event on Zoom, you know, you can't, there's no audience yeah, I know, it's interaction there, really. And I might, so... I might have one myself to do the, the end of this yeah. month, and I'm debating yeah. it still. I'm like, oh, it's going to be a hard one. Shall I? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to, because it's going to, you've got to test yourself, haven't you? You know, it could go tits up, and if it does, eh. 
I'll, you know, I'll regret it in the, the next day. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, and that's the danger of it too, because if you decide to do like a YouTube, right, then it's just kind of there forever. <laughs> right. And maybe it's good or maybe it stinks. <laughs> well, if it's a live event, if you stink, you just stink for five minutes and then you're done. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not but if you're on YouTube and you stink, you stink forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good, though, you know, just to uh, test it, roll with the punches. It's probably good for uh, a bit of character building, at least. Yeah. At least. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that there's, you know, some people are a little bit technology hesitant. And so for them, going on Zoom was not a a thing we we lost a lot of people because of that and then and then it's just kind of a different it's a different kind of a feel you know i work from home i have an office job so i work from home and then i'm in meetings all day and then i have to go and then i do this poetry event which is another zoom event and so sometimes it's kind of hard to kind of like get into the the mood it's not like you know it's the same thing for comedy it's not like you're going to the club right it's a special place that you're going to do this fun thing it's also a grind as well because if you're working from home and you like i say if you're doing like camera work all day and screwing about then when when you're trying to do something for your personal life it's almost right. like your work's almost inhibiting it a bit because you're like, yes. oh, I've been doing this all fucking day. I'm now going to go on there myself, try and get a bit creative. Yeah. You know, it's a bit yeah. tedious. Oh, well, it can be tedious. That's yeah. uh, all frame dependent on your frame of mind. So mm -hmm. what's uh, sort of some of your next steps? Have you got any big milestones that you want to hit personally? I got a couple of things that I'm doing. Uh, one is um, I'm recording some YouTube videos at Mark Jansen Poet. And so I'm taking some of the poems from November Reconsidered, the book that I wrote, and I'm just kind of like doing some videos from it, just kind of experimenting. And so that's been interesting and fun. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm setting up some live events in the Mid Valley to do some, to do some poetry uh, um, uh, in person. That's, that, that's, that's going to be fun. We're going to do, do some in the... In, the next couple of weeks and in the summer, we're going to do, we're going to do some of those. Um, sooner or later, I'm going to have to work on another book. And so that's kind of been weighing on my mind. How am I going to, what am I going to do about that? Um, so always got irons in the fire. Always got irons in the fire. You have to. This is another kind of creative, you know, deal. Deadlines and have projects that you're working on because without deadlines without projects you're working on it's very easy to sit there and yeah, you know watch netflix <laughs> <laughs> i just i again i took uh, a couple of months off to be honest it was probably well needed uh sure you gotta recharge oh definitely a good recharge i, I intended to just take off you know maybe a month and you know like start up in january but you know, you, you sit there over the Christmas period and, you know, you have a couple of drinks and then you start up a bit of a, you know, a, a bit of a daily binge and you get a bit lazy and you're like, this is, you know, it's good to sit and relax for a bit. And then, you know, you're rolling into February, you're like, oh, this is getting a bit uh, long now. And the next mm -hmm. thing, Mar March hits and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I, need to, I need to pull my finger out my ass and uh, get myself into gear. That's right. But it's... Uh, <laughs> It's amazing how easily you can slip into sort of little tar pits and yes. getting, getting that motivation back. Well, getting the motivation back can be easy, but can, keeping the motivation consistent is uh, right. the, the tricky thing. Yes. Especially with most people. I've yes. realized one thing I saw as well at the start of the uh, pandemic was there were so many podcasts. Uh, there was so many that I, I listened to that, you know, that weren't mainstream and lately now the, the pandemic's ending there's so many that are just dropping and you go wow you know there's the and some of them were really really good shows you're like man what you 
kept that consistency up. You know, it's, it's yeah. a shame. It's a, a big yes. shame. But it was one of them thoughts that I had. I was like, man, some of these podcasts are dropping. I can't do that. I was like, I put right. too much time and effort into it, hobby or not, wherever it goes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you can't really just quit quit now because it's it's too much effort. You know, far too yeah. much, far too much. What's um, what's your website? Was it markjohnsonpoetry.com, Did you say? Markjansonpoet.com. Yeah. Poet.com. I'll have to check that out after. Um, mm-hmm. are some of your books on Amazon. Where's some of the best places to find them? Amazon. Yeah. 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 Um, November Reconsidered is the name of the book. Um, my name is hard to spell. So it's M-A-R-C-J-A-N-S-S-E-N. Oh, trust, <laughs> trust me. I, I have a lot of my guests. This has been remotely an easy one. There's a... <laughs> Name wise, trust me, there's a few where I'm like, how the hell do I pronounce this? It's terrible. So I just, I, I go for it every single time. I fuck and fuck it up most of the time. It's, it's why I asked prior to the, prior, it's why I asked pre-show. I was like, I've got to at least get this one right. Like, <laughs> the bad thing was, I knew I was right to begin with, but I was like, I'm going to, do you know when you just second guess yourself? I was like, yeah, it's going to be Janssen. But then I was like, yeah, but what if it's Janssen? And I was like, oh, that's shit. <laughs> that's what, that was my that's thought. Right. I was like, no, it's going to be that, isn't it? And then, and then that's what I went for as well. Again, sometimes don't second guess yourself, people. It's the, the first instinct's always right. So um, this has been very fun, man. Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, it's, it's a little bit late here also. I don't want to make too much noise, wake up everybody and uh, have to reap, reap the consequences. You bet. Um, so where can people find you, my friend? Sure. Um, uh, there's the, 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 uh, the website, markjansenpoet.com. Uh, there's a Facebook page, markjansenpoet.com. And there's a YouTube channel, markjansenpoet.com. And you can find the book on Amazon. So no, that's absolutely perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Thank you for coming on. And whenever you're getting something like, one thing I was going to ask, uh, mm-hmm. have you ever read, have you, obviously on Amazon, um, people can do like audio books. Have you ever done something like that? Thought about it. Um, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, maybe if I do these YouTube videos well enough, I can, you know, get into a place where I can do an audio book. I've got the voice for it. it. And I have, I have some radio experience back in my, in my younger years. And so the, the idea of doing it is, is, you know, would, would we ask, how would I present it? How would I, you know, what would be the, the, how would I present the audio book and, and kind of, you know, no, okay, yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, so there's, there's the thoughts out there. I haven't done it yet. It would be easy enough to do, I think, and but I have to do it myself because, myself you know, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the whole company right here. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's the worst is if you write a bunch of characters <clears throat> and then you've got to distinguish the voices between them. Because if I was to do an audio book, I'd be like, huh, why? well, if I've listened to one, I'd be like, why has everybody got the same voice? Like, why does Janet sound like a man? What's that all about? <laughs> like, <laughs> or whatever is a bad example, you know, but, but you get what I mean, people. Well, listen, yeah. this has been super fun. Um, I'd love to have you back on again. Uh, whenever you're releasing stuff and more than happy to get you back on, promote it. Uh, this has been the Posthuman Podcast. I'll be your host, Tim Turner. Catch you next time, people. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tim. Bye-bye.